look to the person to your right, to your left, and say, you are a warrior uh, for coming to church today. And we actually have some visitors here today, uh, which amazes. And I told someone earlier, on a day like today, you are always amazed at who comes and who doesn't. And, uh, but we're glad that you're here. And then for so many of you that are worshiping online, let me say a special welcome to you. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend your time with us. Some of you that would normally be here every week, but because of the weather and uh, specifically, and those who are here will understand this, uh, our parking lot. Uh, you are probably wise in staying home today. And so uh, I want all of us that are here to welcome those that are online and say thank you for joining us. Let's welcome them. This is going to be a great day. And we're going to talk about many different things today. And uh, February is a wonderful month. So thank you for coming. Are you ready to worship? Let's just lean in and trust God. And if you're at home, just know that God wants to speak to you. When we pray, you feel like you can bring your needs and we will pray for you. When we worship, worship even in your, your living room or wherever you may be. And when the Word of God is preached, take the Word and go through it. And when we baptize, you can clap at home right along with us. So let's bow our heads. Father, we worship you. Your Word says, come into your presence with joy and into your courts with thanksgiving. So this day, we come with praise and thanksgiving and worship. And Lord, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're able, let's stand together and let's worship together as we worship the King. Forever lift him high, 
With all pitch and cry, God, we praise you. Be the song that comes inside of me. Let it rise. Let faith arise. We'll see it break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. Let's God a break loose on our side. Forever lift him high In all creation cry God we praise you This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. We're gonna break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. Let God a breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift Him high. In all creation, cry, God, we praise you. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. Let God a breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift Him high. Our creation cry, God, we praise you. Yeah. 
February 6th is First Sunday and Baptism Sunday. Don't forget to bring someone with you to service that day. If you're interested in being baptized, please speak with Pastor David. February 13th is Super Bowl Sunday. Join us for an exciting and special service on Sunday morning. And I'm Scott. Check out our bulletin and fill out the connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests, and praises, and then drop it in the offering as the ushers are going by. You didn't didn't get to be a part of the ministry fair last Sunday. Make sure to check out all of the tables that our amazing ministry leaders put together. Also, if, if you did not receive that shape test from the church via email last week, please email spiritualgifts at capcitychurch.life and we will email, email you a copy. Next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. Join us for a great morning of worship. Come back for a Super Bowl party on Sunday night and a chili cook-off. Thank you for supporting the ministries at Cap City Church. You can give online by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. May God bless you and thank you for joining us today at Capital City Church. Thank you for joining us again for Capital City Church's announcements. I'm Tara. And I'm Scott.
Give God praise. Choose love every day. And so uh, it is great to be here today and tomorrow or next Sunday, um, like our excellent um, announcement people talked to us about, it's going to be Super Bowl Sunday. And we're meeting uh, today uh, with some of the staff afterwards, and we are going to plan a great Super Bowl party for those of you that are here and for those online. So it's going to be a great day. Will you uh, look to somebody that's beside you that maybe you've never seen before and give them a high five and tell them, thank you, I'm glad you're here. Some, some of you have to reach a long way, don't you? <laughs> yeah, and some are just doing it through the air, so that's, that's okay. And for all of you online, um, we're glad you're here. So today I am beginning a new sermon series. And as we begin the month of February, I am beginning this sermon series that I am calling uh, The Greatest Love of All. And you see, when we begin to think about the month of February and think about the greatest love of all, this series is going to be taken and centered in and around and through the little book of 1 John. Now, let me just say something here as we begin. During the indoor camp services of last summer, we had a professor from Indiana Wesleyan University, and he came and talked to us and he was going through the book of Mark. His name was Dr. David Smith. And he told us at that time that if you really want to understand what a, a book of the Bible is about, if you really want to get the truth of what is in a, a certain passage of Scripture, he encouraged us to read it through in one setting, maybe more than one time, he also encouraged us, if you have a Bible like mine or something else, that uh, you can actually listen to it, to listen to the whole book at one time, uh, in one sitting, and then to try to read at least a chapter a day, and if it's an area where I have preached about this area, to go back and there are sermon notes in your, your worship folder, and you can take these sermon notes and make some notes, uh, as you'll see uh, on the screen, and you can take some notes and begin to reflect on them a little bit and begin to put out some of your own thoughts. Now, I want us to be people of the Word. Amen? I want us to be people of prayer. Amen? I want us to be people devoted to evangelism, letting lost people know they matter to God. Amen? I want us to be people of encouragement, that we encourage one another. Uh, it's bad enough. Uh, in the world. I thought when I saw that angry store clerk, I, I thought, you know, there's an awful lot of people just like that. And you don't need to come into church 
and have that. Amen, David. That's good preaching. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't need that. We don't want that. And, we, and I will say, thank God for this church, we don't have that. Uh, but uh, we want to be people of encouragement. And when people walk in here, all of us, from the newest of us to the oldest of us, we should walk out of here feeling, man, I was glad I came to church today because some people helped me and encouraged me and blessed me. And, and I am just so happy that I came to church today. And then we want us to be people who are making disciples. So all of those things begin with being people of the word. And I really am hoping during this month that you'll really study with me the book of 1 John. Really read through it. Um, you could read through it several times in one setting. It's a small book. Read through it. And as we begin to talk about uh, the greatest love of all, you can begin to uh, understand what's taken from this book. John, the one who uh, this book, wrote this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was the youngest of all the disciples that Jesus called. The other disciples were all a little older, they were all a little more mature, uh, but John was the youngest of the original 12. And it was interesting about John that he must have had kind of a, a, a temper. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, and he must have had a sense of being impulsive and, and given to uh, explosive anger at times. Oh my, how could that be? Because Jesus nicknamed he and his brother the sons of thunder. Now you figure that out. If, if it means something else, then I don't know. But uh, I do know that James and John, when Jesus went through a certain village, that uh, they didn't respect Jesus and didn't accept Jesus. And James and John said, let's call fire down from heaven and destroy this whole village. And Jesus looked at them and said, you don't even know what kind of spirit you're of. And so he called them the sons of thunder. But as John grew older, he lived longer than any of the other apostles. Some of them had been martyred. Many of them had been killed for their faith. But John lived longer than any of the other disciples. And as the years went by for John, the sons of thunder began to give way to what they began to call him the apostle of love. Just like Paul was the apostle of grace, just like James was the apostle of obedient faith, uh, just like Peter was the apostle uh, of the coming of Christ, John was the apostle of love. His writings are full of expressions of love. When you read the Gospel of John, the beautiful life story of Jesus, it is filled over and over again with the love of God. And then when you read through 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John toward the end uh, of the New Testament, you begin to understand that he continued to speak about love. There are three real themes that appear over and over again in this little book of 1 John. 
Let me mention them to you. You might jot them down. In a world that is filled with darkness, God's love brings light. We are living in a dark world. We're living in a world where there is darkness that is all about, and the darkness seems to be getting deeper and deeper. But in a world filled with darkness, God's love brings light. In a world that is filled with death and dying, it is still a rather strange thing to me to when we watch the morning news, and I've mentioned to you that we have to watch the morning news. That is a ritual that we have to do so Connie will know what to wear. Uh, that is always the issue. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, I just put on whatever. And I look out and say, okay, we need to do it. But we have to watch the news with our coffee and toast uh, so that she knows what to wear. But in these morning newscasts, they always and are continually talking about how many people died that day and how many people have died over the last week and how many more people do I think they're going to die and, and, and on and on and on and shootings and crimes and, and, and it seems that the news is filled with news about death. In a world filled with death, God's love brings Life. What a beautiful thing. I would rather talk about life. And we understand that death is a part of life. We understand that. But God's word is filled with life. And then in a world filled with hatred. I don't know that I've ever seen a time when we have turned so on each other and, uh, and, and hatred, just blatant hatred uh, being exposed. But in a world filled with hatred and filled with hate, Jesus and John and God's love speaks about love. I think this is very important. That in all this world, when we're talking about all of these different things, in a month where we celebrate various things, we celebrate Black History Month, and, and we need to celebrate that. We need to be aware of the great contributions that have been made by so many of our African-American brothers. I thank God for them, and I, I do, and I think we as a church need to understand that. We also celebrate, like we're going to do tomorrow, Super Bowl. And, uh, oh, isn't it wonderful that Joe Burrow is playing in the Super Bowl? Yeah, let's give, I don't think we give God praise, but we give Ohio State praise. You know, that's good. And they asked him this week, somebody was saying uh, from the school up north, why do you keep claiming Joe Burrow? He's from LSU. He's not from Ohio State. And he responded on a tweet and said, I am a Buckeye. I will always be a Buckeye. I graduated from Ohio State, and I have three pairs of gold pants of those guys up north, and so I'll always be a Buckeye. I said, God bless Joe Burrow. And we also celebrate Valentine's Day. Hmm. Interesting day. Let me tell you this. And I, I tell way too many stories. That's why I have to keep you here so long. But uh, 
My wife and I had the privilege of going to the Ukraine in Kyiv uh, a number of years ago, and we were I was asked to teach at a seminary there and to teach on, what else, evangelism. So uh, I was teaching about Contagious Christian and, and teaching and working with uh, this group, and I would tell you that the people in Kyiv, honestly, and the people in the Ukraine, they have been so occupied and so fought over, it looks like someone reached into their very soul and has taken every bit of joy and life out of them. They really are the saddest people I think I've ever been around. But when you understand, the Nazis occupied them, and then uh, the, the Soviet Union occupied them and destroyed many of their families and, and lived in communism and all of that sort of thing. And so we would get on the subway, and uh, that was an experience that I'll talk about later, but we get on the subway, and no one looked at you, no one smiled, no one ever did anything. Uh, and I asked one of the college students that I was teaching, I said, can people tell that I'm an American? <laughs> she laughed. And she said, oh, yeah. I said, well, how can they tell? I mean, we're basically the same. Uh, we're both Caucasians. How, how do they know? And she said, well, there's three reasons why they know. The first reason is you don't always wear just black pants. If you wear gray pants, they know you're not from here. I said, oh, Okay, and when you wear khaki pants, they really know you're not from here. They know you're an American. And secondly, you smile. I said, yeah, doesn't everybody? No, nobody smiles here. I said, when people see people smiling, they think it has to be. They know you're not from here. The third one was the one that was the most hilarious. She said, you wear your wedding ring on your left hand. And I said, yeah. I said, well, we wear our wedding ring on our right hand. I said, okay. She said, when you wear your wedding ring on your left hand, it means that you're single and looking for a woman. And I, <laughs> I thought, oh dear. So that, that was not my intent. But it was just a very interesting experience. And, but then we celebrated International Woman's Day. They don't ce celebrate Valentine's Day. It's International Woman's Day. And I'm telling you what, that day, everybody was happy. I mean, everybody was dancing. Everybody, the girls were walking. They had roses. I mean, everybody was happy. It looked like spring was in the air. It looked like an amazing new thing that something had swept over the city of Ukraine or the city of Kiev, and everybody was happy. Uh, I found out later we did not do this, but many of them were drunk and drunk and drunk and couldn't get up hardly for the next morning. And uh, I mean, it was the happiest party you ever saw until the next morning. Next morning, they were right back where they were before. So whenever I think of Valentine's Day, I, ours is not quite that extreme, uh, but Valentine's Day is an important day in our history. So just know, in a world where divisions are palpable, in a world where racial tensions are high, in a world where families are breaking apart, in a world where crimes are soaring, in a world where human life is no longer sacred, 
God's word speaks about love. And I want us to read this passage of Scripture, and it's found in 1 John, and we're actually starting here uh, in 1 John chapter 4. And uh, I want us to to look at this passage of Scripture, uh, beginning in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. And uh, it is on the screen, so you can uh, read uh, silently along with me as I read aloud. Dear friends... Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And then I think all of you know this uh, wonderful, wonderful passage uh, out of the love chapter in the scripture. And it's in 13, and it says this, this, and we need to understand it. Three things will last how long? Forever. Faith, hope, and love. And let's read this next line together. And the greatest of these is love. So as we begin to talk about this matter of the greatest love of all, we need to begin to understand uh, that God's love is something that is a marvelous thing. And in 1 John, John tries, and and we're going to kind of look at this just a little bit this morning, and then the rest of it will go as the month unfolds. 1 John talks about God's love explained. It talks about God's love uh, experienced. It talks about God's love expressed. And it talks about God's love empowers. Uh, And we'll look at all those this month. But today, just look with me for a few moments. And John takes on an impossible task. He takes on the task of trying to explain to the early church and trying to explain to us what the love of God is like. How do you do that? I mean, it's nearly an impossible task to try to do that. But when John begins to try to explain the love of God, he tries to be a little clear. I thought it was very interesting in our little video clip that, leads, that led up to the sermon that love in English is a most used word. It's sometimes the most overused word. It's sometimes the most misunderstood word. And sometimes it is the most mistaken word. I love God. I love ice cream. And there's no different word outside of, I very, very much like ice cream. I love my wife. 
but I love the Buckeyes. Well, how does that work, you know? Uh, I, though that one is true. No, no, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, we have this word love. We use it, and my wife and I were watching a, a television program the other night, and a reporter was asking this, this couple, are you in love? And the lady responded, oh yes, very much. The man said, I think we are, whatever that means. And so there's some ambiguity about when we love our car and we love our God, when we love our wives and we love our um, cheese sandwich. I mean, you know, it's the same word, but the Greeks didn't do it that way. They had three different words for love. The first word they used for love was called eros. And that word represented the physical love that uh, husband and wife share. Physical love. Sometimes People really get confused. I heard a man one time at Mount of Praise Camp say that there are a lot of people who think they are in love, but they're really just in heat. And I thought, oh my, uh, you know, so. But eros, yeah, that's pretty rough, isn't it? Just remember, I was quoting someone else that didn't, you know. <laughs> but there's a beautiful part of physical love. And then there is what's called, secondly, the phileo love. The phileo love is the, the friendship kind of love, where that you are deep, dear friends, and you love each other, and, and, and you can talk on each other, and spend time together, and, and, and friendship. Someone said the best kind of married love is friendship on fire. And I think there's some truth in that. And then, but there is a third word that the New Testament had to create. John and, and, and others had to create this word because there was no word in the English language that expressed this exact love. And it was called agape love. That is divine love. That is holy and pure and, and divine. It is selfless and pure. It is a holy love that wants the best for the other person, regardless of what that means to them. They, they love the other person. They cherish the other person. It is not, what can I get from you, but what can I give to you? What can I serve you with? How can I help you? How can can I bring out the best in you? What can I do to help you to do those things that we understand? Well, you see, when we understand God's love, it is agape love, the love that is pure. And let me just tell you, for those of you that are married and for families and so forth, the best love of all is when eros, phileo, and agape love are all aligned in a perfect alignment. You have heaven on earth. Just believe me. But then we talk a little bit, 
And, and John's trying to explain the love of God, but he can't. And so then he begins to examine the love of God. And look at these very verses that we looked at together. The first thing he says is that I want you to understand something as he begins to try to help this, that love comes from God. Now, I want us to say that together. Love comes from God. Let's look at it in the scripture. Let's look at what it says here in the, uh, in the scripture we read. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. I want you to understand something, that hatred does not come from God, that things that bring hurt and harm and selfishness and difficulty, those things do not come from God. But what does come from God is love. When you see a mother with a newborn child and you see that love that is there, put it in your mind, love comes from God. God. When you see that young couple that is walking hand in hand and they're, and they're so much in love, you know, you say, love comes from God. That's what God wants. That's what God intends. Love comes from God. And may I just tell you this? Love is the central theme of the Bible. If you took the whole Bible and wrapped it up in one verse, and if all you know about the Bible is one verse, this is the only verse you need to know, and some of you know what it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you know that verse, you know the theme of the Bible. It's the central theme of Scripture. But I want to tell you something else. It is the central truth that God wants you to know. When you walk out of here this morning, I want you to know beyond any shadow of any doubt that God loves you. He loves you and accepts you where you are, but he loves you too much to keep you there. And he wants to help you to become the best you can become. So understand, the thing God wants you to know most about him is not how great he is. And though I loved when, when Deb and the team were singing, how great is our God? And all of that is put into perspective when we think about a God who could create all of the universe and yet he loves you. David said, when I look in the stars the handiwork of your hands. I ask myself, what is man that you are mindful of him? And I have to ask you today, I don't know myself. What is that about us? But God made every one of us different, and God loves you. Time for another story. Wednesday I was doing my Zoom study into Pakistan with um, 
our friends in Pakistan. And it was very interesting. They filled this little room and put on a heater and, and I talked to them. And, and so the lesson this week was on uh, in order to be a success, we have to live a life of significance. And in order to live a life of significance, you have to add value to people. I thought about that for a while. And I thought, number one, I am pretty sure these guys will not have a clue what living a life of significance means. And I think if, if I would ask you, and you all are, um, I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. But if I would ask you, what does living a life of significance mean? Uh, let me think on that. I'll get back to you. And how do you add value to people? I was talking to Mike Holbrook. I said, Mike, I don't even know how to, what, what you're supposed to do to add value to people. And, and Mike just left. said, well, you're doing it right now. And I said, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm glad I'm adding value to you. So I changed the words around. I said, if you're going to be intentional, live a life that makes a difference in the world and in the lives of other people. Well, they understood that. Yeah, we understand that. Yeah, okay. So then instead of saying, adding value to people, I said to them, and help everyone you meet understand that they matter to God. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we want everyone to understand they matter to God. The good people, the bad people, uh, the people who are Christ followers, the people who are Muslims, the people uh, who are mean to you, the people who are good to you, they all matter to God. And with us, they all matter to God. Oh, this is what was so cute. I have this saying that it's not mine, that, but I picked it up years ago, and I've used it long enough that people attribute it to me. Uh, and so I guess by right of just using it, I'll use it. And it's this. You have never looked into the face of anyone that does not matter to God. Would you say that with me? You have never looked into the face of anyone that does not matter to God. Amen. I want you to look to the person beside you and just tell them, you matter to God. <laughs> and you do. And I love to go on with this statement, and it says this, you never look into the face of anyone that doesn't matter to God, including the face that you either shave or make up in the morning. You matter to God. So understand that love is the central truth of what God is saying, the central truth of the scripture, the central truth of what God wants you to know. And then secondly, as we read in the scripture here, um, it goes on to say, those who know God love others. How interesting. Uh, this is what the scripture says. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Now, what I have kind of just uh, rearranged this just a little bit, and what it really says is that 
the people who, who know God. If you say, oh yeah, I love God, I know God, then it better show somewhere in your life that you are kind and you love others. People that are mean and people that are cruel and all of those sort of things, it's hard to understand how the love of God can be working in your heart and you have that. So understand that. Go on a little further. It says that, those who do not love others do not know God. If you don't love, you are not of God. When there is room in your heart for hatred, when there is room in your heart for racism, when there is room in your heart for cruelty, when there is room in your heart for advantage, you have squeezed out the love of God in your heart and in your mind. And if you are cruel like that, you cannot know God in his fullness. Amen? Amen. And then I think this is interesting. John says God is love. Now, some people quote this wrong. And they say, love is God. No, that's not it. Oh, just love, just love everybody, that's God. No, no, that's not what it says. Oh, just loving everybody, that's what, no, 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 no. no. Read it carefully. It's not saying love is God. It's saying God is love. Huge difference. It's talking about his essential character. It's talking about his essential identity. It's talking about his essential being, that who he is is holy love. His character is holy love. A little boy one time asked the question, or the, the teacher asked the little boy in a Sunday school class, is there anything God can't do? Of course, the whole class said, oh, no, there's nothing God can't do. And the little boy said, wait a minute. I don't think God can lie because his essential character is that he's righteous. I don't believe that God can hate because his essential character is love. You know what? The little boy's right. Could God have done that? Yes, but in his character and in his determination as who he is, there are some things God can't do. He can't be unrighteous. He can't be hateful. He can't do that. He is love. So it would tell you the closer you get to God, the more love you understand. There's another factor that... God then showed how much he loved us. I love this. Let's look at this verse. In verse number nine, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. For you see, love... When I loved, we used to have Valentine parties and different things, and my, my good friend Stan Toller used to have this little saying. Um, I'm sure he's not the only one that said it, but he loved to say it. And when asked what love was, he described it as love is a funny feeling that you felt like you've never felt before, and you're glad you felt that, and you always want to feel it again. <laughs> love is a funny feeling. 
You'd be surprised how many people think that's what love really is. Oh, are there funny feelings and butterflies and, and all of that that come with love? Yes, but that's not the essence of love. That is the symptom of love. Amen, preacher, that's good preaching. And uh, love does not come easy. It's not uh, every word that is cast about. Love is just not laughter and roses. And guys, be happy for that because I just saw because of all the shortages that roses are really high. So you've got a, a real a reason this time not to get roses. And so, <laughs> yeah, hallelujah, that's right. <laughs> love is a deep-seated commitment that is shown, not just kept here, not like the old guy when the wife asked him, how come you never say you love me anymore? He said, I told you once, if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> let me just say, that's not the way to do it, okay? Love is a deep-seated commitment. It's not just a funny feeling. It's a deep-seated commitment that is shown in our words. And then the scripture goes on to say, number five, this is real love. I think that's an interesting description uh, for he talks about God shows how much he loves us. And then in verse number 10, he said, this is real love. Now, when we were all in school, um, and we all had our first crush, people would try to help us understand, it's just puppy love. This is not real love. You don't know enough to be really in love. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. I don't know. But John is saying here, here is real love, that God loved us. There are things that we think are love, are not. There are things that are counterfeits for love that are not. But God's love and is and shows what real love is, and our love needs to be taken from his example. And then he goes on to say that since God loved us, Surely, we ought to love one another. That has to happen. Surely, we ought to love one another. God's love is to be expressed and to be experienced. And then this last verse, and with this I'm through. The verse talks about the fact that, and I love this, no one has ever seen God. This is verse 13. But if we love each other, there are two things that happen. God lives in us. He is comfortable living in a heart where, that is filled with love, but he is repulsed like we would be repulsed, living in a garbage dump where there is hatred and where there are grudges and, and where there's all these sort of things and putting other people down and destroying other people. God says, I won't live in that dump. But if your heart is filled with love, God lives in us. And it goes on to say, 
that his love is brought to full expression or his love is perfected and his love is matured and grown in us. So David, all this sounds good, and I, I know you've been, you, you've been talking about all this, and, and this sounds good, but how do I make myself love? How do I love God? How can I make myself love God? How can I make myself love others? How can I make myself love people that are just difficult right now for me to love? Good question. Do we just sit in a room by ourselves like, mm, I'm going to love him? That doesn't happen very much. You're going to have a stroke. And your heart's not going to be filled with any more love than it was that began. Let me tell you how it works. Through a very simple illustration. How many have ever been to Niagara Falls? Let me see your hands. Have you been to Niagara Falls? Well, back in, I think it was in the 1990s, maybe early 2000s, I was asked to go to Toronto, Canada to help a church do a uh, capital campaign where they were trying to raise money for a new building. And I had been up there different weeks and they were having a big celebration service that Sunday evening. And they said, can you come? And I said, well, I really can't. I, I have responsibilities. I have to preach here at the church, and, and I just can't get there. Oh, you must come. You must come. You must come. Can you find any way to come? And so there was a guy in our church who was a pilot, and his name was uh, Larry Vidito. I said, Larry, would you fly my wife and I to Toronto after church on Sunday? Uh, so I can get up there and then fly us back Sunday night so I can get things done on Monday. He said, sure, I can do that. Just one condition. I said, what's that? There are no clouds and it doesn't rain. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, that's good. But that Sunday afternoon, the sky was perfect. It was an October day. We got in that little plane and took off from Ross County. And we had to fly over the Niagara Falls. It was absolutely a beautiful, beautiful place. And as I began to fly over Niagara Falls, I could see this massive body of water that was just pouring over those falls and crashing on the rocks below. I mean, so much water you couldn't contain it. And then I saw this mist. I'd never seen it before, but in the plane, it was coming up. And I thought, that is beautiful, that mist that rises back up. And, and then as the sun caught the, and glinted off of, the, uh, of the, the, the river, it was flowing down through the valley. And God spoke to me. This is how love builds. We come to God first of all and say, God, my heart is empty and I'm not, I'm not feeling love. I don't think love. I don't feel love. 
Lord, I need for you the mighty power of God like that mighty Niagara just to pour into my heart. Lord, if you pour your love into me, then I can love you like the mist that rises back up. I can't love you until you literally, literally let that love pour into my heart and into my mind and into my life and to fill me with love that I can love you. Lord, if I'm going to love others out there, I don't have it. I'm dry. Lord, I want you to pour out your love, your spirit like the mighty Niagara. And as the mist rises, then flowing out of me will be a river that can love other people. I can't do it on my own. I don't feel like I love this person on my own. I don't feel like I can get over this problem with my own. I don't feel like I can do it. But Lord, if you will pour your love into me, I can love others that need to be loved. And I just wonder this morning, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking around, if you feel you're a little dry this morning, whether it's spiritually or in your family or in some of your colleagues at work or wherever you might be, and you just feel like, Lord, I need you to pour a fresh amount of love in my heart. I talk to you at home. Some of you are sitting there and you understand exactly. I feel so dry and empty. Lord, will you fill my heart today with the love of Christ? Others are saying, I can't love lost people. I don't care about lost people. What do I do? You wait before God and say, Lord, fill my heart with a love that only comes from you. Oh God, you know our hearts today. You know our lives. You know the people that are here today. You know there may be people here this morning that have never experienced your love. And they need to understand it's as simple as repenting and saying, I'm sorry that I have sinned. And confessing and confessing that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And believing that believe His Word and believe that He loves me and He'll forgive me. And receiving the gift of grace that is offered. If you want to pray that prayer with me, I'd like for you to pray it with me right now in your own words. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm sorry. I know that I have wronged you. Forgive me. I know that I have sinned. But Lord, I confess not only that I am, have sinned, but you are the Savior. And I trust you. I believe that you love me. I've not understood why. You know the garbage in my life. You know how bad things have been. But Lord, I believe that you love me and you can save me. And Lord, right now I open my heart 
to the best of my ability and just simply say, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my forgiver. Amen. If you made that choice, I'd like for you to use your connection card. Just jot it down. We want to get with you. We want to give you some information and some things that will help you. For some of the rest of us that are at this place and we just need a new sense of God's love in our heart, I want you just to stand right where you are. You say, what if I'm the only one? So what? Uh, I think there may be many. I want you just to stand right where you are. God, I need you to fill my heart with a new sense of love for you and a new sense of love for people. God bless you. People are beginning already to stand. They're standing. They're standing. They're standing. God, fill my heart with a new sense of love for you. I need a new sense of love in my heart. I need a new sense of love. God bless you. God bless you. If some of you that know how to pray you can see if someone's standing close to you would you just slip over there and just put your hand on them and just pray for them right now and if no one comes I just want to pray for you right now God bless you God bless you hand people standing all over this place this morning let's pray together our father as we come before you today we want to give you thanks we want to give you praise. And Lord, there are people watching online today that they're reaching out to this uh, either computer screen or telephone screen, or they're reaching out to a television screen. Wherever they are, Lord, we ask you, Holy Spirit, rain down on us. Holy Spirit, pour down on us. We need, there is so much hatred. We need to be filled with love. There is so much hurt. We need to be filled with divine love. There is so much conflict. We need to be filled with a love that only comes from you. Lord, fill our hearts today. We trust you. We believe you. We honor you. Make us a church that not only talks about love, but demonstrates it for all the world to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise. You may take your seat. You may take your seat. We're going to have the ushers. If they will, to come forward, they'll wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. Uh, I preached last week about uh, trusting God by faith. Uh, and if you're trusting God, I dare you this next 30 days to try tithing and see what God does in your life. Uh, and also fill out your connection card if you have a prayer request, if you have a need, if you'd like for us to be in touch with you, uh, please uh, let us do that today. So uh, as the ushers are coming, Father, bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen.
I might say for those that are participating in baptism, this would be the time for you to come forward. Hendricks testimony. Looking at my life, it's been a long road of fighting to come to the Lord, living in a sinful way, turning to alcohol instead of God, thinking freedom was in sin, but in reality, I was a slave to my demons. Recently, after I let my demons take a hold, all while I almost lost my job and most importantly, my family, God intervened. Now, I'm turning my life over to God and letting him take control where I couldn't. I am redeemed in his name, Dustin Hendricks. Amen. Thank God. Dustin, now, now if you haven't been to one of our baptisms, it's sort of like Ohio State football games. When they come out of the water, I want you to clap. I want you to cheer. I want you to praise God. This is a huge, huge step. Amen? And we're going to rejoice together. So, God bless you, Ed. Dustin, have, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Well, it's a great privilege for me today, because of your profession of faith, to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. sing this last verse here's the last verse and they don't sing it but we're going to sing it when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise 
than when we first begun. Let's sing it together, and then at the end of that course, we'll do My Chains Are Gone. Let's sing it. Be careful as you walk out of this building into the parking lot. Uh, we did have people try to clear it, but there was just so much ice we couldn't get it done. So thank you for coming. Next week is Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be Bingo Sunday. We're going to have a great time. Come and be a part of it. God bless you. You are dismissed. See you rain down everywhere. We'll watch the 